0: Listening to the VC Twenty podcast, a space for meaningful conversations and relevant teachings. Hey, I'm so excited to be with you guys again today because we are kicking off a brand new sermon series. Over the next couple of months, we're going to be uh, looking at the books of First and Second Kings. We're going to be paying particular attention to a couple of guys, two prophets of God, by the names of Elijah and Elisha. And I've had in my heart this sermon series for a a bit of a while now, so I'm excited to finally be able to preach this to you, and hopefully I'm faithful to God's Word. And uh, in fact, if you have God's Word, if you have a Bible, go ahead and and flick it open to uh, 1 Kings 17, the text that that Maggie just read for us a moment ago. And uh, we're going to drop anchor there. But before we get there, uh, I want to share with you a quick story. So uh, I have a lot of weaknesses, believe it or not. I know that that's shocking news for most of you because you were probably deceived by my very large and intimidating physical stature. But I'm weak. Y'all you know, have weak arms. I have everything about me is weak. I'm not just physically weak. I have a lot of weaknesses in my character. I was confronted just this past week with one of my greatest areas of weakness, which is the fact that I'm not very manly. You know, I wear earrings and I like to go shopping. Uh, But I had to fix a lot of stuff this past week because Elise and I, we bought a new house. Shout out to God, we got a new house. Uh, but before we got to the new place, there was a a list of things that I had to fix at our old place to get that place ready for renters. I had to do things like fix the toilet seat, which I did, praise God. I had to uh, put in baseboard. I had to put in quarter Like I don't even know what this stuff is, y'all, but I determined that I'm going to do it. So I I tried to, to rev up my testosterone. I went to the hardware store, and I bought a saw and I don't even know what kind of saw it was, so don't ask me. It was sharp and it was round and I was going to cut something, so I bought this thing. And no lie, y'all, I, I brought the saw home, I opened the box, I pulled it out and took one look at it and took it right back to the store because I was confronted with my weakness. I, I know my limits. I knew that saw was not going to do anything productive. If you get me near something that needs fix, it's probably going to be more broken than before I got there. Now, here's the reason why I share all that with you. Hopefully, self disclosure in me will lead to self disclosure in you. You all, believe it or not, have a lot of weaknesses. And uh, weakness doesn't get a lot of play in our culture, weakness doesn't sell well. In fact, you and I are conditioned to, to mask our weakness. We, we do things like we stage our lives in such a way that it showcases all of the good things about us on social media never never any of our needs never any of the the bad things about us or or if we're not doing that perhaps we're just living distracted we're suppressing our weaknesses you know we're we're binge watching an entire series on Netflix in one night and that's after uh, we've spent several hours on Instagram. I don't know if y'all ever feel this, but but sometimes when I get that that notification on Sundays that lets me know how long I've spent on my phone that week, that's usually a signal to me that that something's wrong. And and often that that's me running from from an area of weakness in my life, a growth area that I'm I'm continuing to neglect. We 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 mask we we neglect we we try to to overcome our weaknesses with sheer grit and willpower, but the interesting thing to note is that the scriptures seem to offer us an entirely different paradigm for what to do with our weaknesses. God would tell us that weakness isn't something to be masked or or, or something that we should run from. Instead, it's something to be embraced, and uh, and that's what we're going to look at today with the prophet Elijah. Now, let me uh, give you guys some historical context and and let you know where we are in scripture. Um, Israel has been split in two through civil war, and now they're divided into two fighting factions. You have the northern kingdom on the one hand, who's retained the name Israel, and you also have the the southern kingdom of Judah. And the book of 1 Kings is essentially an inventory of all of the bad kings of Israel, and it culminates with a guy named Ahab, who is worse than any other king by far. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 30 tells us that Ahab had done more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any other king before him. Now, Ahab would have been bad enough by himself, but to make matters worse, Ahab gets booed up with a girl named Jezebel. Jezebel came from a neighboring nation named Sidon, and she brought to Israel with her all of her false gods. Now, now, Jezebel, you maybe have heard that name before, it's, it's sort of come to embody sin in a way. You know, there are just a list of names that are off limits, right? There's a reason why you don't see too many little Judases running around. You should add Jezebel to that name, that list of no no names. Uh, Jezebel, uh, she went so far as to murder the prophets of the one true God. And uh, Israel began to render to these false gods their worship because of their promises of protection and prosperity. But but there is one true God, and, and God raises up Elijah as a messenger to this reality. Elijah's name literally means the Lord is God. Now, this truth, this declaration is an affront to our pluralistic society, and sensibilities. So many of us would like to believe that all roads lead to God, but, but the Christian truth is that Jesus leads to God. There is, uh, there is one lawgiver in Zion. There is one risen Savior, and his name is Jesus. Jesus says of himself in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me and this rails against the sort of person who would say well that's your truth you live your truth and i'll live mine the the singularity of christ is is an affront to us but but this is precisely the message that elijah came to deliver through his life and through his ministry. Elijah is probably most known for a scene in 1 Kings chapter 18 where my man literally calls down fire from heaven. And that's actually where I intended to kick this series off, but as I was praying, the Lord highlighted this 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 small story, maybe seemingly insignificant story about God leading Elijah to the brook Cherith. That word Cherith in Hebrew means to cut down. It means to strip of his essentials. It means to lay him bare. Elijah was probably a lot like you and I. He probably made a little money, took care of himself, he, he worked hard to be independent and self-sufficient, but by the brook Cherith, all of that had been stripped away. Elijah is literally counting on God for his daily sustenance. God has promised to deliver him food by way of a raven. Elijah has nothing left but to believe God, to believe his promises, and cling to him. Now, most of y'all are probably too young to get this, but but something like, what is it, 2020? Something like 15 years ago, Johnny Cash came out. I think he was dead at the time. I, don't quote me on this, y'all. I know nothing about Johnny Cash. But he came out with a song called, "'God is going to cut you down.'" And I remember this song mostly because I remember the video. The video was just this montage of famous people uh, lip syncing this song while they, while they cried and thrashed and wailed. It was really dark. It was actually in black and white. And the artists in this music video were the heavy hitters. They were A-listers. They were people like Kanye West, uh, Jay-Z, Kid Rock Bono. And then for some weird reason, uh, Corinne Bailey Ray pops up in there. And, and that always felt really weird to me. Like, one of these things is not like the other. And that's not a knock on you if you're listening to Just Like a Star on your Spotify. But that was always super, super weird to me. And, and in fact, I would have had Isaiah uh, play the song for you in the background here, but YouTube will probably kick this video off. And so instead, I, I just want you to, to hear this lyric and imagine Elijah marching to the, to the brook Cherith with, with this tune playing, sooner or later, God is going to cut you down. And the lesson that God is intending to teach Elijah by the brook Cherith and, and the lesson that he intends to teach you and I today is one of complete dependence. God is trying to teach Elijah what, what complete dependence looks like. You see, before Elijah could do great things for God, he had to be, in a sense, broken by God. You see, God wants to teach you and I what it means to be completely dependent upon Him because we're so often so tempted to depend on everything else. We think that if I can just get this job, if I can just get this degree, if I can just have this opportunity, if I can just showcase this skill, then that will lead to a life of, of ultimate joy and satisfaction. But, but all of these things ultimately will leave us disappointed. And God loves us enough to strip them away so that all that we have left is Him. And Jesus Jesus is better anyway. That's that's the point. Uh, that's, that's the reason why God wants us to become dependent upon him, because he has provided for us in Christ better than anything else that this world could afford us anyway. Weakness is a reminder that we need God. In fact, God will often confront us with our weakness as a way to manifest his power in our lives. This is in part what Paul means in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when he says in verse 9, this is, this is God speaking to Paul. He says, my gracious, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says in response, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. You see, when we try to overcome weakness out of our own power, out of our own strength, we crowd out the supernatural manifest power of God. And, and that's not what God wants for us. If you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. If dependence is the means then humility is the goal. God doesn't want us to try to to overcome our our weakness with willpower. And let's just imagine for a moment that you were able to actually do that. Uh, Would that lead to God getting the glory, or would that lead to you just becoming more prideful? Because you did it. That's not what God wants for you. God doesn't want pride. He wants humility. He wants a heart that says, Lord, I I can't make this without you. And and I'm going to bring my weakness to you and count you to fill in the cracks and and overcome all of my shortcomings. Humility says, God, I, I need you. You know, I... I'm learning to be mindful of the places of perceived strength in my own life because those are the places that I'm most likely to forget God. And I don't want to forget God in any regard. I want God to enter into my weakness, to enter into my brokenness, and perfect his strength where I am weak. Now, this doesn't mean that that we have to go hunting for weakness. Neither am I saying that you should resign yourself to the weakness and, and never work to overcome that. I'm just asking by whose power are you working out of? Are you working out of yours? Are you working out of God's? But we don't have to go go weakness hunting. Life has a way of presenting us with, with the myriad of weaknesses that are present in our lives if we just choose to live with eyes wide open. Let me give you an example. I am reminded of my weakness every single day as a dad. I love my boys so much, but but I love them with this tension of on the one hand, I love them more than they could ever imagine, but at the same time, I, I love them less than they deserve. And and uh, my boys, they they for some reason think that I'm the strongest and coolest dad on the planet, but but most often I just want to say to them in response, fellas, just call me Shane today, like let's just be friends. But but I don't have that choice. I'm either a good dad or a bad one. Uh, I, I'm confronted with my weakness when I think about the responsibility to pastor you all. It is the joy of my life to be your pastor, but but I'm confronted with the fact that I am wholly inadequate for the task when I consider the myriad of needs that you all have, when I get this picture in my mind of what it means to be a disciple, and and, and my complete inability to, to get you all there, it feels sometimes. Uh, you know, I... I can't even i feel like i can't even preach this this goes back to the point i made earlier of being aware of the places of perceived strength you know i i once fancied myself a, a pretty good preacher but but then then i had a stroke you know earlier this year i had a stroke and and i'll never forget the first couple of sermons that i i tried to preach post-stroke and and i couldn't even remember the words on the page i i literally had a a panic attack my body was shaking and, and I was in cold sweats, and, and I'm still struggling to find my words. Yo, I can't even preach a good sermon, let alone be the pastor that you you need me to be. You see, we don't have to go hunting for weaknesses. Weaknesses have a way of confronting us on a daily basis. The question is, what do we do with those weaknesses? Do we hide? Do we mask? Do we overcompensate? Or do we bring them to God as an invitation to show Himself strong, to to reveal His power in our lives? You see, if if dependence is the means, then humility is the goal. If humility is the goal, then weakness is the way. Weakness is the way in the kingdom. One of my favorite verses, um, it's one that I've preached to you all, you all many, many times. It's, it's not the sort of uh, verse that you'll find on a bumper sticker or, or a coffee mug. It's, it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the poor. You know, I don't know about y'all, but but being poor isn't anything that I I aspire to be. I want to be at least middle class in spirit so that I still have uh, the means to do what I want when I want to do it. But God, God says, happy are you when you become poor in spirit. This verse, this phrase gives me so much comfort because throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, God calls us to to a literally impossible standard of living. He would say crazy things like love your enemies and, and bless those who curse you and live generously and live without anxiety. He literally says to be perfect as God is perfect. You and I, we, we can't do that. Like, like I, I just listed the myriad of weaknesses that I have. God only knows the amount of weaknesses that you have. We can't live up to this perfect standard, which is why God says blessed are you. When you, when you make peace with that reality, because it's then and only then can I enter into your life and impart my kingdom. This is, this is the economy of God. This is the nature of our up, upside down kingdom. It's the weak who become strong. And this kind of weakness, this poverty of spirit that God is looking for is the sort that says, God, I cannot do this on my own. And it's that acknowledgement of weakness that God says, blessed are you. Blessed are you, and and yours is the kingdom. You know, we live in a world that esteems the strong and the successful and the well-to-do, but Jesus didn't come to save the healthy. He came to save the sick. God isn't looking for the strong and successful. He's looking for the weak. He's looking for the poor in spirit. I'll never forget... uh, uh, a story I heard by a preacher by the name of Adrian Rogers. He's a good old Southern Baptist preacher. A preacher of preachers, a guy full of quips and one-liners that'll never leave you. And uh, Adrian Rogers was preaching to an auditorium of thousands of people, and he, he invited a few people to stand. He said, if you were a valedictorian of your high school, just stand. If you were Pastor Rich, he'd say, pop to your feet. Pop to your feet. Don't tell Pastor Rich I said that. But Adrian Rogers said, if, you're, if you were the captain of your varsity football team, stand. If you were the homecoming queen, stand. If you make a six-figure salary, stand. And he went on to list all of these accolades and invited people to stand. And, And before long, about a quarter of the room were standing. And Adrian Rogers said this. He says, to those of you who are standing, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is God can still use you. The bad news is you wouldn't have been his first choice. God's first choice would have been those seated around you, the seemingly uh, insignificant or unsuccessful by the standards of the world, those are the people that God loves to use god doesn 't use superheroes he doesn 't use superhumans. All God is looking for is a surrendered heart is a surrendered heart. Someone who would say lord i I need you, I want you would you would you show up and make your power manifest in my life? you know Jesus was was God in the flesh. He walked in our dust, and, and He was crucified on the cross. And, and His weakness, that moment of weakness, ultimately became our strength and our victory. So here's what I want you guys to do. Uh, I'm going to uh, pray for you in just a moment, but, but before I hurry my way to that, I just want to invite you to take a moment and pause for reflection in contemplation. We can't do prayer ministry by our normal means of of laying hands and, and praying vineyard style. So instead, I'm going to invite you. I know many of you are, are likely watching with a few folks. Um, if you're by yourself, you may want to grab a, a journal or something to write with. I just want us to to practice this, this idea of embracing weakness. When's the last time you embraced your debt? When's the last time you embraced your Loneliness. When's the last time you embraced the reality that you got passed over for a job? You may want to share some of those things with the people that you're watching this video with. Uh, or, or like I said, perhaps you might want to journal. And once you do that, I just want to invite you to name those things. To bring them to the Lord. To unmask and no longer feel that you have to hide. By naming our weaknesses, we keep our weaknesses from naming us. That might seem like simple semantics, but, but our weaknesses shouldn't define us. We shouldn't have our identity in our weaknesses. Our identity should be in, in Christ's strength. And uh, as I pray for you, I just want to invite you to pray and ask God to, to manifest His power in all the places that you're weak, to, to bring you to a place of complete dependence upon Him, to cling to Him for dear life, as they say, because that's exactly what Christ came to give. He came to give us life and life to the fullest. Let me pray for us. Lord, Jesus, you know our weakness. You know our frailty because you walked in flesh. But Jesus, you promise us power if we would only lay ourselves bare before you. Take us to the brook, Cherith, just like you did, Elijah. Strip us of everything that we're tempted to find our identity in. Rid us of all the strength and gifting that we try to hide behind. And lay us bare before you, God, because we long for your power, not ours. We long for your humility, not our pride. We long for your strength in the place of our weakness. Would you come, Spirit, and fill us? God, help us to to overcome weakness by your power, not our own. Supernatural power, not just willpower. Lord God, we're naming these weaknesses. We bring them before you. We ask you to enter in and bring healing bring restoration, bring hope, Lord. God, I pray that you would free some from the feeling, from the sense that they have to hide, that they have to perform for the world, that they have to merit your love, Lord. You loved us, God, when we were at our worst. Surely you love us still in spite of our weaknesses. So God, grow us up into the full measure of Christ. You're the one that does the growing, God. So grow us up, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We're counting on you to do it, God. Fill fill our hearts full of faith to believe that. It's in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the BC20 podcast. Make sure to subscribe for more sermons and intentional conversations. You can also check us out online at bc20.com.